Welcome back to Security Confidential. I'm your host, Rory Michael, filling in for Manoj Tandon this week. Uh, today we have Dallas Baker joining us again. Dallas is a U.S. Army veteran and cybersecurity professional. He's worked for many companies, including Perimeter X, Blue Shield, PayPal, and Human, where he is currently a threat intelligence analyst. He is skilled in Python, SQL, information security, JavaScript, networking, and recently obtained a new certification in cyber threat management. Dallas, welcome back to the show. It is good to have you. Nice to be here. Nice to be here. So what, what have you been up to since we last spoke with you? Anything anything new? What's what's changed in your life? Yeah, so from the last time, uh, as you know, Human merged with uh, Perimeter X, or we were going through the merge, so things are kind of settling. Um, so I'm, I'm out of the marketing team. Um, and, and to take a step back, I was on the marketing team not to do necessarily marketing, but I was there to help customers with POV reports or additional analysis. And in addition, I would help the marketing team uh, find actionable events to then create a blog post or video or have the CEO go speak with uh, NBC around, you know, mm -hmm. cyber threats and things like that that we see. So I was like kind of the analyst that supported a lot of different teams. Um, so right. now I'm kind of moved into threat intelligence. And so we're okay. going to still keep a lot of the same responsibilities of helping marketing or uh, if the customer has additional uh, insights that they need, we'll still provide that. But we're also doing a more in-depth investigations. And okay. those some of those investigations will involve, uh, you know, getting the attorney general involved or the FBI or whatever to perform some type of takedown. Mm -hmm. um, so that's so what I'm currently working on is getting a, a threat intelligence platform set up for the company um, and getting the team. Since I worked at both companies, the only one in the company to work for both companies is trying to merge right. the teams together and, and, and manage like which teams would are, are closely aligned so that they can work better together um, and mm -hmm. which technology stacks we should use the pros and right. cons to each and, and things like that. So that's currently my um, projects at the moment. Okay, and so what's the end goal now of this the new merge company? So the the company was formerly called White Ops. Okay, and so there in twenty twenty that it was an you know there was a lot going on, and so it was the company felt that the name should change, um, and so they already had T shirts that said human because we're our company essentially is determining if someone on the other end is a human or a bot. And so they right, changed okay. the name to, to human. Yeah. So, and Perimeter X had the same focus, like they had the human challenge and their goal was to, to tell you if there was a bot or if, if it was a human on the other side, making gotcha. the purchase or gotcha. looking at the ad or whatever the case is. So we just took, they, it's a great merge because Perimeter X had a lot of more modern technology um, and algorithms mm -hmm. around the web application space and human um, started off as more of an ad security uh, company. And right. so, and Perimeter X didn't have anything that was really solid in the ad space. And I so gotcha. we're just merging, merging those two uh, into a single product and service. Yeah, that makes, that makes total sense then. No, it's, it's, it's funny in the sense that I think a lot of people think that we know cyber as a whole is very secure in its day and age and kind of like the, the old wild west days are over, but 
it's it's kind of the opposite. Everything is very, very much unsecure right now. And if people have the know-how and the drive to, there isn't much that you can really stop them from doing um, initially. Obviously, we've gotten a lot better now with, with tracing things down and, and tracking who's doing what uh, from a criminal standpoint. But that initial uh, thrust to you know get in somewhere or to exploit something is very easily done if you have you know the knowledge the technology and the tools to get it done and i think that's a lot of people kind of don't they don't understand that that aspect of of our security and of our our cyber world right now oh most definitely um and i guess like one of the issues we face is depending on where the attack comes from there might not be any jurisdiction that we can go to and say hey this is bad because they don't have any laws right. around it they're like well it's bad in your state or your country but we don't care i mean there's no so it's very new on on what you're allowed to do and what you're not allowed to do so a lot of people get away with it um mm -hmm. and they can anonymize themselves very easily especially if they're running through tour and vpns it's hard to see who's actually performing the attack you can also make your attack right. look like you're someone else to someone different you know have like the fall mm -hmm. guy um and and i still think that people for some reason people still clicking on phishing emails and clicking things and <laughs> trusting the internet for whatever reason when it's really not a place to be trusted not to scare people yeah. but you know it's i just i just read something this morning that was talking about how um you know CISOs and head security guys are the number one thing that they're most worried about is their employees clicking on phishing emails and, and spoofing emails. And I, to me, that's just such old news at this point. Like that's just something that's hammered away, hammered away with everywhere you go, any large organization, you know, they do training they send out uh, fake emails all the time. And, but yet this is still a problem. You know, it's still a, a major concern for a lot of organizations. So clearly you know, the, the fight is still out there and it's, we're, we're, we're not winning it yet <laughs> to say the oh, least. Not at all. Email's a big thing. I'm not a huge fan of email. I try to get people to just use Slack or some other form where yep. it's like we had to actually add that person to our enterprise. Mm -hmm. And so now if I do get an email, like I'll just do some due diligence to see if they're part of the company who they are because we do have like other companies within our slack so it's you know you don't right. just because it comes it doesn't come from a human email doesn't mean that we're not working with them and then mm -hmm. i also set up some rules so that if if particular people send emails they just go to my slack and then okay. i can just ping them from from slack yeah because email is just i'm not a huge fan of it and there's a lot of issues with it and then, right. you know, one of the things that we had at Blue Shield is we had the technology to really write really creative rules and heuristics mm -hmm. to detect these emails. But then right. it was like executives were like, no, I don't want to do that because if I miss an email and it, it's like, if you miss one email, <laughs> I mean, I guess it could be a big deal. But and we don't have manpower for 10 analysts to sit there and just look at email all day. So, no. Most of the things happen, you know, we took more of a passive approach of allowing more emails in mm -hmm. and then hoping that, you know, 
CrowdStrike or FireEye or whatever will detect the malware payload or the phishing link or whatever, and then we would go block it. But by that time, by that happens, you know, someone could already click the link, put their username, password in, and said okay, and went on about their day, and then realized, oh, I probably shouldn't have did that. And then they're embarrassed, so they don't they don't say anything. Yep. Exactly. Yeah, that um, whole uh, important email thing to executives we've we've dealt with that in the past uh, with Dark Rhino, and it it can be quite the hurdle to get over. Um, you know, trying to convince people how the security of, you know, protecting you against these phishing emails or bad emails, malicious emails, whatever they may be, really outweighs you maybe not seeing an email right away or missing one email from a client. I know I think at the time, you know, the business development guys, they think that's really, you know, a big deal. But at the end of the day, what's a bigger deal? You missed one email or you clicked on an email you shouldn't have clicked on. And now you have ransomware going on at your, at your organization. I mean, yeah, it'd be easier to say, Hey, I'm expecting this email and I didn't get it. Can yeah. you make sure? And we got an easy win in the system said, yeah. Oh yeah. We bought the email. We'll release it or whatever, yeah. you know? So what, what human behaviors then in your opinion have led to the greatest number of breaches? That you that you guys see or that you guys go in to investigate but when i was at blue shield we used to do these experiments where we would dress up as like janitor workers or construction people <laughs> and we would just right. walk through and so many people would just open the door for us and say oh yeah go come on in and you know we had our little name we had a little blue shield logo so we looked official but right we should not i mean technically we had access to these buildings because we're security yeah but yep. they didn't know that. They didn't know who we were. We didn't have a badge. No one's asked, you know, and they would just open the door for us and let us in. And oh, where do I find this server room? Well, the server room is all the way down there to the left. You know, they'd like literally walk us there and say, have a great day. And yeah. then from there, we have access to the server room and we can pretty much do whatever we want, you know. And so mm -hmm. I think trusting stuff, you know, you everyone wants to be nice and they don't want to like someone could just be having a bad day. They left their badge at home, whatever. But at the end of the day, we all right. have to take our initiative to say like, we know, even if we know that person, mm -hmm. we still need to conform that we can't trust, trust that person with the, yeah. the systems and stuff like that. And there's processes in place for them to go get the temporary badge for the day. Right. Um, when it comes to other issues have been, you know, when clients are, when, when the company's working with different clients, you have employees, the client might want, a bunch of data, which is fine. It's their data. They should have access to it. But instead of going the the long way to make sure that it's shared in a secure way and it's encrypted and blah, 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 they'll just bundle it all up and throw it in an email and click send and or they'll host it on Dropbox or whatever. And it's like, that's not the approved process, but it is easier. It's a lot easier. Right. And a lot of the systems that we have to secure things aren't as i guess efficient so people don't use them or they don't know how to use them and so yeah. it brings some 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 issues up and i know there's newer companies that's trying to automatically encrypt things and create like shareable links like you would have with yep. any other product um mm -hmm. but i think those are the biggest ones is just trusting too easily and then easily and then not using approved processes for sharing information across yeah. the wire yeah that makes sense i think it's it goes to everybody wants to always be helpful, you know, why, why, why would you not want to help this guy out? <laughs> exactly. 
I was looking at something the other day, and it was talking about how a big area of threat vectors that they think is going to ha- come in 2023 and onward is attacking, um, you know, the API work between your modern systems up front, and then when you have these back-end legacy systems running in the back, that that channel in between them is extremely vulnerable because the you know the legacy systems can't support the same security that your modern can yet you're still flowing all this information to and fro. Oh, yes, certainly. It's like the middleman. The API is just the middleman. Like, you got the old legacy system. You think it's secure because it's not, you know, it's not Internet-facing, but you have this Internet-facing application that's directly communicating with it. Um, definitely aware of that. Um, PayPal, when I worked at PayPal, that, that's definitely some issues, especially when they acquire new companies. They may not change anything but they need mm. to work with the PayPal system. So they'll just spin up an API service and put it in the middle. And that way it all communicates. But they, I think they do a good job as they, they highly leverage hacker one. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're paying people to like actually hack the system so that they're able to identify the holes and then right. they can, you know, plug them up. As far as analyst fatigue goes, um, how do you how do you combat that personally, or maybe for your team uh, at your company right now to keep your guys sharp and on point when they're when they're doing their job? Um, you know, I know it can get kind of boring and easy to fade off if you're just staring at a screen all day in a in the back dark room. But what do you, what do you use personally, and what do you kind of push to your team to kind of keep them sharp and on point as they're they're doing their day to day work? Um. Yeah, so analyst fatigue is definitely real. I've had incidents um, that Blue Shield, we had a, we were 24 by 7 and everyone had to be in uh, California even. And so you have people working late nights, you have people who, and they're always small teams. Like mm-hmm. we probably need 20 people, but budget says we can only have 10. So people have to, you know, work longer than is always expected, even though we're on a shift. Um, but one thing is people get bored. They look at the same thing every day and they're like, oh, this is just the same BS alert. Right. Um, and so they ignore it or they get calls from people. Oh, my password's changed and I didn't change my password. And we've all went through the same scenario again, where it's like they did change their password. They just can't remember it. Now they're telling us that their account's compromised and we look in the logs and they literally changed their password yesterday. So, um, but with that, I think, uh, to combat that and, and at blue shield, what ended up happening is this whole password thing. No, someone actually had called service desk at like two in the morning to request a password change for this, this client who would log into our blue shield system to process claims. Mm-hmm. And once they were able to change the password and they were doing this like all the time, because then the client would call us, we'd reset their password. But then the next day, the passwords change again, and no one went and checked the phone logs to see who was calling in, and we just saw, like, an admin service change the password. So for us, it wasn't like a security threat. It wasn't like a other user had changed someone else's password. But we didn't see any, we didn't have any, like, alerts from our other detection system saying, hey, someone breached the AD server and changed it. So it was like, well, our systems changed the password. And so it led into like a big, big, big deal of people stealing information and claims and processing them to new bank accounts. 
But I guess the biggest mm. thing is automation is there's too many false positives in the systems and there's no automation there to like run through to remove those false positives. So analysts come okay. in and they get 10 alerts and all of the alerts are trash. Like no one cares, right. but there's going to be one day where out of those 10, there's one that's actually a real thing. But the analyst is right. just going to dismiss it because why would you go through work 10 alerts when you see this every single day? So one thing that we do right. at human is false positives are like a huge deal. If we have a false positive, we have to deal with it immediately because we have hundreds of customers. I don't know how many alerts. It's a lot. Um, <laughs> but our analysts don't look at these alerts. So we've right. built a system that will go analyze the alert for them and then say, hey, was this accurate? I mean, even from a business standpoint, too, when you think about how to scale your business appropriately, if you don't have automation in there, you're never going to be able to have the manpower to, to scale proportionately to the growth that you want to have. You know, it's just it's not feasible. So the more you can yeah. automate anything in general is going to work exponentially better. Yeah, I think one thing is no one and, and no analyst wants to sit there and do it. So it's really counterintuitive to tell an analyst to go do all this stuff when they're probably not even doing a good job at it. They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And even in the event that something bad was there, they just skipped right. over it and kept going. Right. So just because you have an automation platform and just because you have the automation, if you're not actually doing anything with it and you're not actually trusting your analyst to provide the automation with valid feedback, then you don't have automation, in my opinion. There's a lot of companies that have it. They have a SOAR platform. Oh, we got the SOAR, you know, and it's ingesting all this and it's, it's determining what alert is there. But if an analyst has to go in and manually analyze it, then it's not automation. You're just creating, it's just a new ticketing system that may have less tickets, but the, uh, but right. the analyst isn't able to like verify the automation and then say, no, this is totally incorrect. This is how it needs to work. And I think as an organization, as a in security, any for the all of security, every company should strive to get an automation in place where the analyst isn't just sitting there going through Splunk all day, but they're right. actually thinking about how the logic behind that alert and how the automation platform analyzed it and verifying that the system analyzed it correctly and was able to detect the correct thing. And the analyst's job should be to provide feedback to that, not just take the ticket and then go work it because it doesn't make, to me, that's not automation. So I just want to make that real clear. So oh, that's yeah. awesome. I think that's a great definition of, of automation that you gave us. Um, Cause I think a lot of people, like you said, they may, they might think they have automation, but if you're having humans do the work again or double check it or whatever, it's not really automated. You're just creating more work or maybe you're creating simpler work or busy work but it's not it's not automated um and i, I think i think you're spot on with that 100 percent. yeah i i uh, always have this thing if i if i have to do it more than once it can be automated <laughs> like if i have to do it more than once i don't want to do it um and i, I guess that's just my personality is i i like new mm -hmm. things new challenges but if i have to do something over and over it's just like i don't want to do this anymore it's because it's not right. challenging. I'm just a drone at this point going through the yep. the steps. Yep. And I don't feel useful. Um, I don't feel creative, you know? So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We're, we're in that uh, that automation grind right now at, at Dark Rhino, too. We're, we're really hustling to everything that can be automated is being automated. You know, trying to take the human element of 
you know, repeating yourself out of it, like you said, and focusing more on big picture stuff. So that's good. That's awesome. What, uh, what other things, you know, are new in your life that you can, you can fill us in on? I know. So in your LinkedIn, you have analyst, realtor, and is the last one's investor, right? Yeah. So I have, uh, so back in September, I kind of went through, I don't know. I looked at my life and was like, uh, what could change? And <laughs> right. so, um, I do want to have, I do want to be an angel investor. So that's my goal. Um, so phase step one is like becoming accredited. Mm-hmm. And, um, so that's, so that's my thing. I also, I also like real estate. Now I don't like residential real estate. I think it's way too emotional. I would never, uh, I've seen people do it. I've seen people make money from it, but it seems like a very stressful time to sell someone's house. They want to sell it to the right people. Right. They don't really want to sell it, you know, or people want to buy, but they don't know what they want to buy. And there's all this emotion involved around this house. And so I'm trying to do more commercial where it's just okay. strictly business, make the commission, move on and mm-hmm. um, uh, get into apartments and, and buy like prime real estate where I can, you know, 300, you know, 300 doors. So I have 300 checks coming in. And, right. um, I have some friends we're looking at doing a, creating our own little startup, um, focused around security, but more so physical security. So there's lots of break-ins and things like that. And, and so I don't want to say that we're going to create like big brother. Um, and so we're trying to make this local so that okay. local communities have jurisdiction. It's not like the big federal government has access to this, but it'd be lo- like very local. Like na- we could even make it to the neighborhood level. So the neighborhood has access oh. to this, but right. we, we want to be able to, um, I'm sure you heard about the case, the college case where I think those three college students got stabbed and no one knows who did it, where, and so oh. we come up with an idea, like it's so easy to just like read license plates and yeah. to identify certain things. And so we're trying, we want to create something that if the police are trying to find, but you could call them like CCTVs, but they're right. smart. And so they're able to identify things without, you know, necessarily spying on all of America. Right. Um, and so when they did, when they're able to, um, we were looking at this new AI system that was able to like read human expression and tell you like feelings based off how they were walking or if they were smiling or their, you know, facial expressions. So we wanted right. to create something that's similar so that if someone walks into a building, for example, mm-hmm. based off like that algorithm, we would be able to determine like, well, this person might be a potential threat right? and alert whoever's there at the building or the neighborhood or whatever. Hey, like there's like some weird stuff going on essentially to, to prevent the crime from taking place before it does. I know there's going to be a lot of people like, Oh, my rights and stuff like that. And I totally understand (laughs) because I don't want big brother. I mean, I think we've all read like 1984 and I I don't want the federal government having access to it because I think they would totally abuse it. But if we could make it where it's just at the local level or if Walmart just wants it, right? If someone, if we could detect like someone's going to come in here, uh, there was like a, a thing where someone held a Walmart employee hostage. If we were able right. to determine from the parking lot that this person is angry, out of their mind, going to come mm-hmm. in here and do something, maybe somebody could have like did something to prevent that from happening. And so that's kind of our goal. So the real estate stuff is to just get get funding. 
Um, plus it helps sure. with my life goals um, to, to, cause I came from my mom, a single mom and my mom's on like section eight and stuff. And no one in my family has ever owned anything or had any type of wealth. So for me, it's mm. important to create that wealth for the next generation of uh, right. people. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's super cool. Um, can you tell us about the, the HBO documentary at all that's going down? Yeah. So, um, I don't think it's going to be, uh, it's, it's kind of secret, but it's not really. Um, but yeah, so HBO, mm -hmm. th they do tons of documentaries about everything. And so one of the, one of the concerns was, uh, data privacy, uh, consumer data and, and privacy and how it's being collected and how it's being used, how it could be used, who has access to buy it, um, where you buy this stuff. And so, and I think it's, you know, Apple's made a good case of like, there's a privacy issue and all the other companies mm -hmm. are like, there's no privacy issue. And so we're really just trying to determine how much of your data is being sold, bought and sold on the right. market and what you could do with it. So we're just going to get some people together and this is all volunteers. So no one's paid to do this and right. we're just going to take their data and then we're going to go buy it and then we're going to analyze it. And what we hope to do is create profiles. This could change because we're still in the planning phases and stuff like that, but we're going to build these profiles out and hopefully have these individuals, these volunteers that come in and say, could you identify yourself on this board? And it's all anonymized. So it's not like they're going to see their name, but they could see maybe their likes, their interests, something they've talked about recently or whatever and say, yeah, that probably looks like me. And so that's the, our intent and what we hope happens is they're able to identify. So even though this data is anonymized, it's not really, it right. still goes, it can still be tied back to a person and people could identify that. Um, and so we're just trying to not scare people, but just bring awareness of be careful what data or what apps you download, make sure you're reading what they're actually collecting. Cause a lot of times people don't same thing with, um, license agreement, you know, you're installing a software and you just click next, you don't, no one reads those things. But right. it's important to kind of highlight it or if Apple and Microsoft could before something installs saying, hey, this is literally what they're going to collect from you. Do you want right. to allow this? Um, and so we're just bringing awareness and maybe bet, you know, maybe we don't find anything and all of this data is real secure and it's not, and it's so anonymized that there's it's impossible for us to identify individual people. But yeah. we're going to let the people decide if that's the case, because we're just going to take mm -hmm. their data and create profiles and let yeah. them decide if they can. Oh yeah, that's me for sure. What's, what's your hunch? What do you think is going to happen? Um, so I think it's going to be, I think we're going to get, so we're going to have them download multiple apps. Mm -hmm. Some that's going to be kind of like iffy, like these are weird apps. Like we want to see how much right. they're collecting, but then we're also going to have them like Facebook, for example. Um, so my thing is, I think we're going to be able to create those profiles. Um, yeah. It might not be as easy as we're hoping it's going to be, but I'm sure that we're able to identify people and what their, um, at, at least their interests are, because that's the market is to sell ads to people. Right. But yep. hopefully we could even find like location, you know, where mm -hmm. they actually live or where they spend a lot of their time. If you, if you think about it, like, let's say they're always looking at hiking gear or whatever they we could maybe say that oh they live in the rockies and that's just a hobby that people do or if they're like jet skis and boats and things like that maybe we can infer that they live near the beach or the water 
Right. So we don't know yet because we don't know what data we're going to be able to get back. But I'm mm-hmm. thinking it's going to be pretty easy to create these profiles and people yeah. come in and go like, whoa, like, you know, all this about me. And <laughs> I don't even know that about me. You know, that that's hope. Right. That's what we're hoping for anyways. Yeah, I, I have a feeling you're you're probably right on that. I think you're going to be able to re- easily create these profiles. Maybe, you know, the work might be a little bit more, like you said, but I think the data will for sure be there to, you know, piece together who someone is based on what they put out there online. Yeah. And another thing that we're going to do, too, is we're going to see if we can determine, because once the data is sold, like let's say Facebook mm-hmm. sells your data to the marketplace for ads, someone else could buy that. But then what do they do with it? And so we're right. going to see if we can create, like, see if we can identify any chain of abuse mm-hmm where data is getting bought and sold to nefarious actors where they may target you for um, malicious ads. So you think you're downloading a a really cool app and maybe it is, maybe it's like, I'm sure that we've seen like on Instagram or whatever, where it says, download this new game and you, the game looks cool. You download it. It's nothing like the game at all or the app that you saw. (laughs) And it's just a bunch of baloney, but they're just hoping that you download it. Not so you buy or, play the game they just want to collect information off your device so they can sell it back or use it for whatever um right and so what they i think what what we're seeing is they're able to target people but how are they targeting people well they have to go buy some data so that they can actually put it on the marketplace and hope that that ad lands on that person's page that's interested in that there was some other stuff too where people created fake websites for hunting Mm -hmm. gear and people are like, oh, that looks like really good hunting gear. And it's like name brands, like cheap. People click on it and then they put their credit card information in. They never get the product. Or if they do, it's not actually what they bought. It's like some knockoff version. And they don't care because they're just there to get your credit card information and your PII, <laughs> your address, and move on. And that's yeah. so we're seeing that. We're hoping that maybe we could even go a step further and see if we can identify chains um, or where these publishers are allowing anyone to buy this information instead of like reputable businesses that have um, policies in place and to follow the mm. rules and regulations that, gotcha. you know, the government set out. So when, when can we kind of expect this documentary to be out? Well, it should be out 2023, um, probably yeah. near the end. Um, I'd have to get more. I know that we're trying to start filming in January through March. Then there's mm-hmm. post-production. There could be, right. and it's not just going to be us. So there's going to be another part to this documentary too. Um, and so I'm thinking by the end of the year, latest would be 2024. These things just take right. time. People got to edit. Right. We're doing a ton of editing because we want it to be as raw as possible. So it doesn't mm-hmm. look like a movie. And it's like, no, this is like a real documentary. This is like literally what right. happened. Um, yep. But there's, you know, you got to create the timeline so that, you know, even mm-hmm. though we record and, do all this stuff that it tells a story that we're trying to tell through, through this. And there's yeah. going to be some other people. Um, and the, the director's lives in the UK. So it's like a ton of travel for him to keep company, you know, come back and forth. Right. Um, Cause they have other stuff that they're working on in addition to ours. So I can't say that it'll be out, you know, September of 2023, but right. I we're hoping that it gets done this year. Um, and the worst cases it'd be, you know, 2024 beginning of 2024 it'd be done okay very cool 
I think that's honestly, I think that's going to be an interesting topic that a lot of people would definitely check out. Um, I, off the top of my head, I really can't say that there are that many documentaries on, on cyber in general, let alone, you know, cyber security and privacy, what happens to your data. Um, so I think you guys are kind of paving the way there with, uh, maybe a new interest and shedding some light on something that I really think nobody knows anything about. I mean, I'm even one of those people who the licensing agreement comes up or the terms and conditions and I just click yes, you know? Yeah. Cause if you I, don't, I mean, you can't install it. So you're like, well, yeah. so no one reads it, you know? Right. Do I want this thing or not? Okay. Yeah, I want it. Well, what's the point then? They're going to take what they want regardless, <laughs> whether I know about it or not. That you is know? super but I think, I think we, you know, cyber as a whole, the community definitely needs to get better at that sort of thing and maybe being a little more transparent or upfront about, you know, like you said, what we are taking and what we're going to do with it. Yep, most definitely. I know I know the, the industry is trying to do some stuff. Like, I'm sure you heard of, like, Apple's Replay, IP mm -hmm. re Relay. Uh, Google's going to be doing the same thing. Google's also, so in my space, one of, one of the ways you can really identify a user is through their user agent and IP address. Okay. Um, and, and their device. So even though pe two people running Chrome, one's running a MacBook, runs on Windows, and they have the same IP, but we can still target that one device so google is actually removing the user agent i think it's next year or the mm -hmm. end of this year they're removing the user agent and they're going to go with a user hint so they'll tell you it's chrome but they won't tell you what version of chrome it's on or any other additional information so okay. which for us is going to be a little bit of a headache since we rely on the user agent for some detections right. <laughs> um, but I think it's good overall because it, it remove well, it's good and bad because bots have a user agent. We, you know, we rely mm -hmm. on that. Or if we see a user agent that's too new or too old, or it's just like it, the, the weight's not evenly distributed. So we're like, yeah, this is just like a really odd user agent. That's just creating mm -hmm. tons of traffic for no reason. And all the other user agents are pretty uniform. So now when they get rid of that, it's just going to be a user hint. So we'll just see Chrome and it's like, well, it's Chrome, but we don't know. We don't have any more granular information or detail. So right. it's bad for us. Um, but I think it's good overall because it, if, if you're concerned with privacy, the ad brokers and people, the publishers and sellers aren't able to determine what browser you're actually like, they know what browser you're using. So they know how to display the information because they use different engines like Safari and Chrome are different engines but they right. won't know which version you're on. So they can't okay. use it to necessarily track you because it's gotcha. no longer really everyone. Everyone's going to be on Safari, Chrome or Firefox or some other little version, but mm -hmm. for the most part, it's going to be Safari and Chrome and that doesn't tell you anything. So you can no longer use it to track people, which I think is a mm -hmm. great thing for the privacy community for security. We always want as much information as we can. So what we'll right. probably end up doing is creating our own version of a user agent string based off the data that our sensor is able to collect on the page. Gotcha. So that's kind of going to probably be our workaround. Okay. But that makes sense. The, yeah, I don't think a lot of people know. It's not been like a huge announcement that user agents going away, but it is. Right. So. Uh, well, anything, anything else you want to share? Important information our, our listeners should know. Anything about you? So we kind of wrap it up here. Um, 
Yeah, I would say for our listeners, um, I, I never, I guess the big takeaway and, and why I'm still like human and I find it pretty fascinating is because it's like an overlooked from most of security. It's like all its mm-hmm. bots and even at other organizations worked, it's the concerns of DDoS, but these bots aren't trying to take down the server. They're just trying to abuse your users. So if you're really looking at that information and you're looking to have a better way to protect them, even post login. So, or looking for, let's say someone else built, built your website for you. We're also able mm-hmm. to determine if there's any malicious scripts running, what the callbacks are. Um, we have tons and tons of technology and I come from like a web application developer. So right. I developed applications, but I never really thought about the security until I was at Permrex. And so for anyone that's like looking, um, I think it's super important, not that you have to go with us, but just look, do something about it because it's a big issue. And even though you might right. not think it is, it's there. Like every single customer that we get, there's always an issue. Like even the ones that mm-hmm. say, oh, we don't have a bot problem. We always find one. And so I think it's just super important for the community. If you're having any type of internet facing application where people can log in, check out or whatever, you'd be really surprised at what information uh, that you're not aware of because your CDNs and stuff like that, they have bot protection. You click bot protection, but it's really inaccurate. It's not collecting enough. Inf- it's not collecting um, a really enough information to make that decision. Um, right. And so just, just, Take a look at some of the other products. Um, obviously, I think Human's the best. I worked at both companies, so tons of great people over here. Um, yeah, and I, I really hope everyone has like a, a really good, cool New Year's goal that they get and they no. accomplish. Um, and that 2023 is is like the best year yet. Yeah, absolutely. What are any goals for you that you want to share with us? Yeah, so my goal for the year is to meet two people a week. Two people a week, okay. and like befriend those two people, get their contact information. So I'm trying, I'm shooting for a hundred people, a hundred new friends. I know this mm-hmm. is crazy. Everyone's like, oh, it's crazy. But it's only two, if you break it down, it's like two people a week. So I can easily go out and find two people uh, to make those connections. Um, Very cool. And this is a personal goal of mine. So what if, if our listeners want to get in touch with you, uh, is LinkedIn the best place to do so or Twitter or um, I'm on Twitter. Go? I don't have a lot. I don't have a lot going on Twitter. Um, maybe one day. Uh, I feel mm-hmm. like it's for celebrities. But uh, LinkedIn or Instagram. Okay. Yep. There we go. And we'll uh, we'll make sure to throw those links in the in the description when we air this baby. And uh, <laughs> everyone, if you want to get in touch with Dallas, there it is, LinkedIn or, or Instagram. Uh, all right, awesome. Well, it was uh, it was good talking to you, and uh, hopefully, I'm sure we'll have you back on again sometime in the near future. And uh, let us know when the documentary comes out if we don't see anything about it. Uh, that I think that's actually going to be something really, really interesting and worth worth viewing. Yep, I'll definitely keep you in the loop of uh, the progress we're making on that. Awesome. I think it's going to be exciting. I think everyone should watch it too. <laughs> and the director, yeah. he's such a cool guy. The whole team, they're just really amped up and. Uh, they've made some really good stuff. So if you go to it's almost almost pictures. Okay. So they did like the documentary on the January sixth thing. Um, that's okay. like their newest one that they've done. So, um, but there's tons. So if you just go to it's almost pictures, you'll see it. it'll come up as HBO. But that's like the okay. studio name or whatever that's doing it. Um, Very cool. Look at some some similar stuff that they've done in the past. And if you like any of that stuff, not that you have to agree with. 
um, th- what what that is. But if if you like the content or what they're how they're telling the story, then I think you'll like the what we're working on currently with the ad uh, data c- consumer data privacy. Awesome, awesome. Well, we'll throw we'll throw that link in the in the description as well for people to to be able to check out and look forward to, to talking with you again. Yeah, same here, Rory. All right, awesome. Uh, have a have a good new year and best in twenty twenty three. All right, you too. <laughs> All right, see ya.